Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. All right, back here on the Ohioan, and uh, Dana King is here with us. Dana, uh, she covers um, faith and immigration for the Columbus Dispatch. How you doing, Dana? Thanks for coming back. I'm great. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, you know, we should have had you on a couple of days before Easter because we're in the middle of the Easter season. But, you know, you had a great piece that you wrote for the Dispatch before about how uh, churches are handling Easter. I know we're past Easter right now. But what was your take on how churches are handling Easter this year? Yeah, so it's a little bit, it kind of varies by church, but an interesting thing is it kind of localized a national study about this from Pew Research Center, and it said that 75% of adults who, you know, typically are attending these services are very, you know, comfortable doing it, and they think they can do it safely. So a lot of area churches either have been open, you know, churches started opening, you know, reopening after they closed in March on Memorial Day last year. So a lot of churches who have been open since then, you know, with some safety precautions in place, um, you know, were open for Easter. And then there were a lot of churches who were like, hey, Easter's our opportunity to come back. You know, this is a holiday which really represents hope and resurrection, you know, this is a great time for us to gather again in person. Um, so that's something we really saw um, a lot locally, um, was just this coming back because of, of the meaning of the holiday and thinking people can do so safely now if they haven't in more than a year. Yeah, kind yeah. of uh, start to return to, I guess, a new normal. I, I mean, it's getting better. I mean, we still obviously have a ways of going, but I think it's been it's been a little encouraging. Um, we went to a drive-in service, which was kind of interesting. Uh, we, we've got a couple special needs kids now, so we we've been trying to stay safe, but it was good to be out in a, a nice day. I mean, it always helps when the weather's nice on Easter, I and mean, at least it wasn't raining or anything like that. Yeah, it was beautiful, and I know there were drive-in services, and then some other churches also did. Um, outdoor services completely or did something, you know, after church where they had like a meal on the lawn or something, you know, so there was a lot of people just trying to get back together in some way. Um, I did a story or the the story focused a lot on a church that um, did an Easter play, which was indoors and they had 60 actors on stage that they started practicing in December with, um, they were using Hollywoods. I guess Hollywood does this thing where they kind of section you off in groups. So you have like your pod and you, 
you practice or you rehearse with your pod. And so they started in December when, you know, only healthcare workers were getting vaccines and put their play on and, and nobody got sick during it. So it was, that was kind of interesting too. So there's a wide variety of approaches to, you know, to how we gather again. And some churches just aren't comfortable with it at all um, as well. Yeah, and I'm I'm hoping uh, like like the church we tried out, it was good to have a drive-in. It, it's just nice. I like to see churches do different things to accommodate different people, uh, because in essence, that's what churches should do anyway. But especially during this time, and yeah, I mean, like I said, the COVID threat isn't where it was probably at this time last year, but still there. And you know, parents of kids with special needs and everything, there's a lot of stuff that's still going on. So. I, I'm glad to see the churches that actually are doing extra things to help people that have different needs, which is good. Definitely. Yeah. And I think a lot of them, you know, kind of on that note, will never really stop, you know, live streaming their services and allowing people to interact that way, which has opened up a a whole new world of people being able to access services who maybe couldn't before or, you know, I know a lot of pastors have viewers now from entirely different countries. So the level of accessibility is is interesting there, too. And I don't think even when they go fully back in person, they'll stop that. Uh, uh, Brandon, uh, you know, Danielle also wrote a story about grief. Uh, what kind of struck you just in general about grief during this time that, you know, Danielle was trying to answer in terms of, of her story? That question for me, Chris. <laughs> so yeah. like your question for Danae. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Sorry, let me ask Danae more about that. I was trying to awkwardly bring me in the conversation. Uh, but Danae, you're sorry about grief. I mean, it was good from the aspect of, you know, we're all dealing with grief in different ways. And you talked about people who are dying, and obviously, there's a grief that everyone's been through over the past year, just with how COVID changed your life. You know, maybe it's a grief over. Our, a loss of a job or, or anything else. I liked your angle of looking at how different faiths are looking at it. And did you, what surprised you the most about that story? Yeah. The interesting part about that story was just, I guess there were two things. So one was just the different rituals that faiths do that I think really help people cope. You know, I think there's these, the sense of finality with, a funeral or with, you know, in Judaism, you put dirt on top of the grave and that is kind of hearing that noise is kind of your sense of finality and that allows you to grieve. And Judaism also has like several different periods of of grief that are different. And then, you know, Muslims, they really do it by gathering in community. So I really kind of wanted to explore the things that we weren't able to do during the pandemic and how that impacted our ability to to grieve. So people may have just completely grieved differently than they did their entire lives, you know? So an interesting thing was I talked to uh, the rabbi at uh, Wexner Heritage Village and she was saying she works with Holocaust survivors and and people who are in their eighties and nineties. And she was saying, you know, for their whole lives, they've, you know, gathered, they've 
put dirt on graves. They've, you know, done sit Shiva, which is where people come over to your house and like, you can't do that now. So your whole grieving process has to be different. And we're coming out of that time. But another interesting aspect is that as we come out of that time, people are also going to realize that maybe they haven't grieved other things they've lost or just our collective loss as a country during this time. So the faith leaders, the reason I did this story was I was talking to a preacher and he was like, you know, we're talking about opening up and going back to quote unquote normal and that's great. But before we do that, you know, we need to take time to grieve what we've lost because if not, it's just going to hit you, you know, it's just going to hit people and they're going to be, you know, not okay for a little while. So to head that off, you know, try to take moments and, and think about the loss to yourself and, and as a nation. And I thought that was really intriguing. Yeah. And it probably helped teach us lessons in, in the future, even after we get back to this normal, eventually about how to grieve in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Today, um, one question I had for you though, was like, you know, there was a, interesting report that came out recently about uh, Gallup saying U.S. church memberships fell below majority for the first time. Um, you know, do you think that from, you know, 47% of Americans say they belong to a church, mosque, or synagogue, what have you, um, kind of, um, do you think that's mostly largely from what you've, you're seeing on the front lines of, like, um, as you engage with people in Columbus, do you think that it might bounce back, um, um, do you think that kind of might go back to a more of a normalcy with membership going back up? Um, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I think that it might be a generational thing, you know, as our country changes, obviously we see a lot of people, you know, being unaffiliated with a religion at all. That's rising for sure. And I think what it might be is that, there's less of an importance on being a member of a church. So, you know, I was talking to some people I know who, you know, who are millennials and and younger, and they were saying, you know, I might be a member of one church or I might not have a membership and I might still go there and be fully involved. And, you know, so I don't, I think it is definitely an attendance thing. People are just disaffiliating, but I think it's also that, you know, years ago, being a member was kind of this badge of honor. You know, you wanted to be a member. That was a big deal to say, you know, I'm on their membership roles at so-and-so church. But now it seems like there's not really a, there's not as much importance placed on being a member um, as there is on you know, celebrating your faith in different ways and, and maybe just attending or volunteering with the church or you know, being involved in some way. Um, I think also, you know, this time of COVID has allowed people to jump around from different churches and try a million different, you know, virtual ways to worship. So I think that may continue to happen where someone isn't affiliated with one church. Instead, they're, you know, trying out different ones. And what's coming next for you? I hear you're working on something with Ramadan related. Yeah, the holy month of Ramadan starts on Monday, which is, um, as many of you know, a month of, you know, fasting and, and really reflection for Muslims. So I'm doing a story um, 
just kind of telling people more about it. But also there's this great organization locally called Ask a Muslim, which has become national and talked to the founder yesterday. And he was just saying, you know, especially post 9-11, people will often, you know, talk to, you know, people who aren't Muslims about Islam. And so the whole goal of his organization uh, is to have people ask a Muslim about Islam. And so it's kind of this interesting He's trying to not spread misconceptions about it. And and um, so it's an interesting locally based national organization just about, you know, raising religious literacy about Islam. And so I'm looking to do that for this weekend. Yeah, I think that's good because there's not there's a lot of unknowns that people don't know and not even people who are worried about, but just more of, boy, I don't know what happened. So, yeah, looking forward to that. That'll be interesting just to learn more about you know, what people do during Ramadan. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Excellent. Well, well, Danny, thanks so much. I appreciate your patience. And, hey, you did it. You did the early morning thing. Yeah, right. (laughs) Thank you, guys. You you passed the flying colors. Well, hang out for a second afterwards. Uh, Again, thanks for checking out the uh, Ohioan. Uh, Keep sharing us online. We appreciate all, all of our listeners. And also check out our podcast that we're working with uh, Byron McCauley and Jen uh, Mooney on uh, called Hope Interrupted. Episode 3 dropped this morning as they talked to Therese Gibson, um, a Louisiana journalist, about having better conversations among each other. So uh, check that out. And thank you, Danae. Thank you, Brandon. You guys have a great day. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.